Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. I'm Shomak Khoshal, the books editor of Mint Lounge, and this is the Lounge Bookcast. Every week, I'm going to speak here with one author from across the world about their latest book, how they came to write it, what were their challenges and inspirations. and what does it mean to be a writer in this time this podcast is from hd smartcast india's fastest growing podcast producing platform this week my guest is writer translator and voice over artist shobha tharu srinivasan most recently the author of prince with a paint brush a pictorial biography of the painter raja ravi verma beautifully illustrated by raika sen the book is out this week and it's a book meant for children but before we get into the book proper uh, i'd like to ask shobha at the beginning uh, what rajaravi verma's work means to her personally thank you shomak first of all thank you so much for giving me an opportunity as a children's book author to come on your prestigious authors lounge where i know you've spoken to uh, writers who've written about far more weighty subjects perhaps but i'm delighted this is a very lovely book and let me tell you what raja ravi verma really means to me personally i grew up we used to go every summer to my family tarawar in palakkad in kerala and in mundarath we call the home mundarath because that's the ancestral home um in in one of the rooms we had pictures of raja ravi verma they were essentially prints um of his paintings most of them were mythological paintings and they were all framed around the corner of the room and you know fairly high up so if you sat down you could look up and recognize them so first i mean obviously we looked at pictures we thought maybe they were movie posters or something else and then were told that these were prints of raja ravi verma's paintings and his mythological stories and i remember jatayuvad was one of the paintings up there and usually those paintings were springboards for storytelling sessions and so we would all you know and we were little kids first grandmother told us stories from the ramayana uh, or or the mahabharat or the puranas and then after that the aunties so you know i grew up sort of imbibing a diet of stories that uh, actually informed raja ravi verma's work and of course he was a kerala artist so malayalis are very proud of him and as i've grown up i've had a chance to see some of his original work in in uh, both museums as well as uh, kaudiyar palace in trivandrum and other places yeah you know it's interesting that you mention your childhood memories of raja ravi verma and my next question to you was about uh, choosing him as a subject for a children's book what made you do that that's an important question and i think even before i answer about why raja ravi verma i felt that it was important that children get introduced to so much of our treasure trove in india you know we have we have a lot to share and when i talk to children both in india and in america as a children's writer i'm you know i'm always in in the presence of children um i found that you know every people could children could recognize in third or fourth grade maybe mona lisa leonardo you know leonardo da vinci's work or they could pick up a picture of the monet's water lilies or van gogh's starry night but but if you men showed them showed them a picture of raja ravi verma nobody knew who that was and raja ravi verma you know is a 19th century artist who who really is quite remarkable for so many on so many levels and we can go into that i mean he was in some ways a diplomat and an emissary 
Henry, uh, even though he never left the country, he really in so many ways, I feel is like an example of national integration. He traveled all over the country at a time when travel was not easy. He represented the diversity of India uh, by, by you know, his paintings of women from all over the country, their particular costumery, their jewelry, their, uh, you know, uh, we can, you know, we can get more into some of his art. But the thing is, he, he really was an example of someone who went out of his way to, to make art accessible for all also with his printing press. He recognized that art was at the, mo at the time of his painting, only the, you know, in the hands of people who could afford it. And he had this commercial brain to start a printing press to mass produce his own art so that the art and those were you know mostly the mythological stories the images of gods but that made sort of God available to even, you know, at the time in the 19th century, there were people who were not allowed to go to temples. Um, Fortunately, because of Raja Ravi Varma's paintings, you will see that a lot of people were able to bring God into their puja room because they could buy the prints. So, you know, the man was well known on so many different levels that I thought, here's someone we can start with. Also, from a from a book publishing point of view, um, Raja Ravi Varma's art is in the public domain. So it's a little bit easier to publish a book where you don't have to deal with copyright issues. And, you know, most of the art has to be has to have been produced at least more than 72 years ago. And so this, in our case, with Raja Ravi Varma, it was an easy thing to do. That's so interesting that, uh, you know, he's at once so popular among Indians, but also the complexities of his life are many, especially the way he took a very different Western style and made it his own. Uh, exactly. So I was wondering, you know, what were the challenges of actually conveying this complexity to children? Because you had to, I suppose, spare down a lot of the details and Condense and Absolutely. The book is a very, you know, it's a short book. It, it's not a historical treatise. It's not a scholarly text. Yet it needed to be accurate because we're presenting it as an illustrated biography of a very well-known and well-regarded and well, you know, an artist that's out there in the public sphere. So it was important for me that I had accurate details and yet not be so weighty that children were not interested. And, and that was the interesting, you know, the challenge of writing the book was how do we frame the story? And so um, I'm grateful or to myself for the creative impulse that we were able to frame it with a, with a little child, an eight-year-old narrator who, uh, you know, so the book is framed with the from the perspective of a child who's discovering about an artist. And there is a lot of her own art coming into play, her own questions about her own artistic ability. And so that is how I presented the story so that when young readers read it, they do be become familiar with both the story as well as the art but they're also able to think about their own artistic production and, and come out of it with, with a different kind of understanding. It was important to me that children become familiar with the art. So we, we have, I mean, some amount of art, obviously within the pages of a 36 page children's book, you can't represent all the variety of, of Raja Ravi Varma, but I tried to show some variety, both his God images, some of his religious diversity in his art, the fact that he painted portraits of nobility and some of that diversity that I talked about is all represented in this book. Um, but we don't really go specifically into technical details, though you're absolutely right. He was one of the first to paint, he was one of the first modern artists to paint with oils, which was a big thing. Secondly, he used the European realism technique, but used Indian subjects in his art. So he sort of bridges a very interesting technical divide and it makes him 
particularly memorable for that reason as well. Also, at a time when, you know, like when Vivekananda went to the World Forum of Religions in 1893, um, you know who's, who else was represented there, though not in person? Raja Ravi Varma's art. You know, we had Vivekananda giving his fiery speech. And on the other side, there was Ravi Varma's art that was sent by uh, uh, the Maharaja of Baroda, who had sent it off to uh, to Chicago. I think it was him who sent it. I, I may have to double check on that. But, you know, his patrons had sent his art and it won awards. So that was lovely. Um, so, yes, I mean, as I said, this is this is not presented in a very technical way, but we do we don't sort of gloss over the artistic merit of the artist. I was also very, you know, interested to see that you mentioned how privileged he was and that he had all the opportunities in life. And I think it's very important to have that in mind and that you're reminding children that this kind of life was possible or made possible by the circumstances of his upbringing is very, very interesting well, to me. Well, thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. I thought it was important that, you know, it's true. When he traveled, he traveled with a cook who could cook him his favorite meals. You know, how many of us can do that? Uh, he could spend, he woke up evidently at four o'clock. I didn't want to take away from his discipline. He woke up early. He worked hard all day before he socialized in any way. And yet it was lucky because the domestic details were attended to by somebody else. So yes, that's true. He also was good, you know, had the good fortune that both his mother and his father had artistic sensibilities who encouraged his own sort of uh, explorations rather than say, you know, don't draw on the walls or whatever, that he had a mama who took him to the palace grounds and said, you know, I have a nephew who's talented. Can he watch whatever your palace painters teaching other people or can he watch him do work, you know, that kind of thing. So yes, privilege, good fortune. But I do believe that, you know, we can all aspire towards, towards anything we want to be if we set our mind to it. So, you know, not to take away from that as well. Yeah, I thought that I mean, he could have just been a man of leisure, right? But he's not. Right. No, I thought right. that was also one of the messages of the book to children that, you know, you, you right. don't need to sort of worry. You can just let go and participate in whatever you want and love and something will come back to you. So that oh, that's so well said. Thank you, Shomak. That's right. I'll use that line. <laughs> um, so I was also wondering if you could talk about the process of collaboration with, uh, with the illustrator, because I know illustrated books are a collaborative effort. Uh, so how did that go? Well, I have to confess. So essentially with a picture book, this is this is technically a picture book, an illustrated children's book that's of a particular length is often, at least in America, it's called a picture book. In America, a picture book can only be 32 pages. This one is 36. But it's, it's a particular kind of book that needs to be illustrated. And the illustrations, you're right, enhance the storyline as much as the text. So that is true. Now, in all honesty, I have not met Raika. Um, it is always the purview of the publisher to find an illustrator. Very few publishers will allow the author, unless they themselves are artists, to come in and illustrate their own book. So I give cred full credit to Vidhi Bhargav for finding Raika. Um, what was important, though, but that it was that Raika sort of got the message that I wish to convey, which is that her art didn't sort of take away from Raja Ravi Varma's art in terms of her style. And what's wonderful is there's the seamless connection between Ravi Varma's colors uh, and art, as well as Raika's illustrations. She also understood the value of a children's book. I mean, I'm sure she's illustrated other things as well, but in this particular book, she recognizes that children need both color, vibrancy, 
and characters with character. And so that was the piece, you know, we talked a little bit on email and she was able to pick up the, she could understand the voice of my text in the character's voice and describe it in a beautiful way in the illustrations that she brought out. So we have, we have a little child who actually is very, you know, who is a child of, you know, is a character with character. And that's what I love. Um, so I guess that was our collaborative effort. I mean, it was mainly, mainly online, I'm afraid. I particularly like the juxtaposition of the original paintings with the illustrations. And they kind of, you know, make it even more real to the child who is reading it probably, you know, what the material Absolutely. that you're at. Absolutely. And I wondered if you would like to talk about some of your favorite Radha Rivara paintings. Well, I, I already mentioned the Jatayubad, which is, you know, which is the painting where Ravana is, is cutting off the wing of Jatayu. And what is so remarkable about that painting is that it almost sort of flies off the page. You know, he is so vivid in his dramatization. He could have easily had just a still flat picture of a bird cut up or, a, you know, a Ravana standing somewhere and Sita standing next to him. Instead, there is almost flight, there is motion, there is action. You can literally see the sword cutting off the wing. And, you know, so what I, when I said that these paintings that were in my grandmother's house were a springboard for stories, that springboard is because the picture itself sort of leaps at you. So this is that's one of my favorite paintings from the mythological series. I also love his, you know, his Nair women or the Malayali women. And I've seen a few of them. I can't say I've seen them all. But, you know, I especially love to see the, the Kerala Mundambeshti, uh, you know, the off-white muslin sari with the gold border. And he's got quite a few. There's one of, there's the famous painting that a lot of people know of, of Ravi Varma called there Comes Papa. That's a looser uh, title. I'm sure there's a more specialized title for that painting, but it's a picture of his own daughter, Mahaprabha, holding her son in her arms. And she's dressed in the Kerala dress of the 19th century. So that's really lovely. Um, but a, a remarkable, memorable painting that I looked at more while I was writing the book was his Galaxy of Musicians, which is really a remarkable picture because it shows women from all over India, or at least from many parts of India. It's a group of, I didn't count how many women, but you know, a dozen women. They're all in holding different instruments. They're all in different dress. You know, you can see the folds of their saris, you can see their different kind of jewelry. So you're really representing, it's like a passage through India in some ways. You know, he's he's showing the diversity, the complexity, the variety of our costume, of our physiognomy, of our jewelry. It's a remarkable, beautiful, beautiful painting. So I suppose those are my favorites. Thank you so much, Shubha. On that note, we'll say bye. I mean, I hope more children you. discover your book and enjoy it as well as adults do too. Thank you so much, Shomak. I really, really do appreciate this opportunity and I look forward to feedback from your listeners once they hear you. Thank you for listening in. Tell us what you think at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. To listen to more podcasts, log on to www.htsmartcast.com or suno naye nazariya se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.